Well, good morning. Hope you guys are good. Excited to be here. We're going to continue this morning in this series called To Be Continued. Um, if you've been coming uh, for a while and you've been through the book of Acts with us, you know we started out the book of Acts with the same series title, To Be Continued. And the reason for that is that um, coming into the book of Acts, uh, we wanted to recognize and to see that um, what Jesus had begun to do as we read through the Gospels and what Jesus had begun to do in his life was to be continued, right, through the church and through the working of the Holy Spirit. It was to continue on. Now, when we get to the end of the book of Acts, which is where we're at, we're going to be in Acts 28, last chapter of the book of Acts. I want you to also see this, and this is our intent in this, is that it is still to be continued. The work of God, the mission of Jesus, the mission that God has called us to, the purpose of our lives, was not to stop once Jesus ascended to heaven because he would send back his Holy Spirit to continue the works he had been doing through his church. But it also did not stop, his work did not stop with the first century church, but is to continue now through all of us, through his people now continuing on. It's without end until Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom on earth. Listen, it's to continue forever. And so we're looking at that now. Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 28 today, as I said. I want to read in just a minute the first 16 verses of Acts 28, and then I want to flip way back uh, in, in, in time um, to the book of Haggai. Um, Haggai was a prophet to the um, returning exiles. They were coming back from Babylon. These Jewish people had been exiled into Babylon, long story, um, but they're coming back, and Haggai was a prophet to them at a time when they were supposed to be building or rebuilding God's temple. And so I want to see you see how this ties in. But let's go to Acts 28, 1 through 16. And I want to point out one particular verse that really, really stuck out to me this week. It, it, it really fired me up. It got me excited because to me it is such a triumphal verse. And um, I hope it'll do the same for you. And so when we come, actually, we're going to just read 11 through 16. I'm going to just kind of summarize that, you know, last week we looked at where Paul and uh, his traveling companions were in the shipwreck. Paul is actually under arrest. He's going to Rome um, to go before Caesar, and, and God had told him and spoken to him sometime back that he was to go to Rome to share the gospel, and so he goes through all of this stuff, and you, if you've if you've uh, been here and you've been following along with us, you see all the different things that have happened to Paul and the people with him. I mean, he's just gone through it. And so they're on this ship. They end up uh, having a shipwreck. They end up on this island called Malta. Um, the islanders there are, are helpful to them. Um, Paul actually goes in and, and heals uh, the leader of that island's father. And then a lot of other people begin to come and are cured. And um, it's pretty incredible. Well, after about three months, we're about to read what happens. They get on another ship, and they continue on. And so verse 11 in Acts 28 says this. It says, After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Putioli, whatever. It sounds like a, 
Italian noodle or something. But there we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And listen to this. This is so powerful to me. And if you've been following along in the book of Acts, this is incredible. So they spent a week with these people. And then Luke just inserts this little six-word sentence into this. And it says, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Apius and the Three Taverns to meet us at the sight of these people. Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Now let's flip way back, way back to the book of Haggai. Again, Haggai is this prophet to these Jewish people, to the nation of Israel, these Israelites. And listen to what he says. This is a time where they have returned from Babylon in exile, and their purpose here at this time was to be rebuilding the temple of God. And this is what it says in verse 2 of chapter 1. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, its truth. Lord, today, I pray that, God, we would be moved by your spirit to engage, to engage in our purpose, Lord, that you've given us. God, to engage, to, to reach uh, the destiny you have for us as a people, as individuals, but as people, God, the people who are called by your name. God, we would engage, Lord, into the things that you've called us to. Would you move in our hearts even right now, God? Would you begin to stir our hearts? Would you begin to stir faith in our spirits? That faith would arise, our ability to trust and your ability would rise. God, that we would crucify our ability with Christ and trust only in his ability to accomplish the things for which you've called us to. Lord, would you give us a resolve, a resolve to do the things that you put us here for, a resolve to only know you more. Would you compel us by your great love? Help us to see it more, God, to experience it more, Lord, your great love for us. God, we thank you. Thank you, God, for what you're doing here now, what you will do here through this service and through your word. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got a, a pair of pants 
that um, has a hole in the pocket. It's actually uh, a pair of suit pants. I don't wear them very often, um, usually at a funeral or a wedding. And so, uh, but I forget, I don't wear them very often. And a lot of times whenever um, I'm going somewhere, I got the suit on, I'll take my keys or some change or pocket knife, whatever it might be that I would normally keep in my pocket. I drop it in my pocket and it might not happen immediately, but inevitably I'll be walking along and all of a sudden something hits my foot and it's whatever I put in my pocket, right? And so I can put whatever I want to in there, but it's eventually coming out. It doesn't do what it was created for. It doesn't do what its purpose is. It's to hold things, right? Um, And I look at that and I think about this for many of us, that I feel like that's kind of how life is for a lot of people. It's just unfulfilling, It just doesn't work. It's kind of like what Haggai said um, to the people of Israel, how God spoke through Haggai. He said, look, you you are earning wages, but you're putting them in purses with holes. You're doing all this stuff, and he's saying you can even eat till you have your fill, but you're never gonna be satisfied. And so I think a lot of us live our lives in this place where it's just unsatisfying. We just continue. It's like trying to... um, live life uh, with a bucket with holes in it and we're gonna fill it up but then it just keeps leaking out and, and, and we are struggling to find this satisfaction in life, this contentment. Our contentment, our satisfaction rises and falls on the circumstances around us, how well things are going with um, business, with money, with our kids, with our marriage. All of these things are the things that our satisfaction rises and falls on. And so we remain discontented a lot of the time. We strive and strain. In fact, in Haggai, when it says that they were busy building their own houses, it literally means they were running after these things. And the challenge I have in this is like, what are we running after? What are we running after? Are we really running after someone who can fulfill us, a purpose that's greater than us? Are we running after things that will never satisfy, that will always in the end leave us discontented, that may satisfy for a moment, but it's not going to last? And when I look at the life of Paul, and I look at what's going on in his life at this point. I look at a man who, as we've seen through um, about half of the book of Acts, we look at a man whose life was so satisfied and he was so content and even writes that he's learned what it is to be content, whether he has a lot or he has a little. Why? Because his satisfaction and his contentment didn't rise and fall on the circumstances around him. His satisfaction was anchored in one who never changes. And so it's a very big difference for him. And we look at this and Paul was so engaged in the purpose of God, his reason for existence. And I'll tell you this, and and I really want you to hear this, we are oftentimes unfulfilled because we are disengaged. And specifically, we are disengaged from the purposes of God. And yet we look at Paul's life and it was all about the purposes of God. No wonder he found such contentment. It wasn't that it was always perfect. We've seen as we've gone through these passages, Paul went through literal hell on earth many, many times, and yet he could say that 
he was content. He could even say to live is Christ, to die is gain. The world cannot take away his contentment. He was engaged in the things of God. I love this passage of scripture that I pointed out to you. As we've been reading, I mean, Paul has been through it. Luke is with him on this, this ship. And, and, and way back in, in time, God had told Paul, look, you've got to testify for me in Rome. And we looked at that a little bit last week through the shipwreck and through all of this. And we get to this place where Paul is now um, finally getting towards Rome. And, and here's the statement that gra- grabbed me. And, and this is what really grabbed my heart this week is when Luke wrote this sentence. And so we came to Rome. What a triumphal statement, right? And so we came to Rome after all the hell we've been through. And so we came to Rome. It reminded me of verse 44 in chapter 27 when God had told them that they would all um, arrive safely, that none would perish on this ship as this this, uh, shipwreck's about to happen. And you get to verse 44 in chapter 27 and it says, in this way, everyone reached land safely. And we read that and look at it and go, of course they did because God said they would. And we look at this and this triumphal statement that that Luke says, and as he pins these words, what an incredible testimony to the faithfulness of God and to his faithfulness to his people that when he makes a promise, he keeps the promise. When he says, and so we came to Rome, despite everything we've been to, we came to Rome. How fulfilling for Paul, for Luke, for Aristarchus, who was with Paul. And he says, and so we came to Rome, all the hell we've been through, and yet we came to Rome. Why? Because God is faithful. And here's the thing I want you to understand today. You have your own Romes. You have your own destiny. You have your own purposes. And we together have our own destiny. We have our purposes together. See, Paul didn't just have one Romes. There were a, Rome, there were a lot of Romes. There were a lot of divine appointments in Paul's life. There are a lot of divine appointments that God has for you in your life. There are a lot of places that God wants to get you to so that you can fulfill the purpose that he's created us for. But many of us, we don't find the fulfillment of that. We don't find the fulfillment of life because we're not engaged. You've got to understand this today, that your greatest fulfillment will be found in fulfilling God's purposes. You will not find lasting fulfillment apart from God's purposes. And I would ask you this, is what you're running after, like those people that Haggai talked to and was prophesying to, is what you're running after, is it worthy of your life? And more importantly, is what you're running after, is it worthy of the life of Christ? Is what you're running after God's destiny Or is what you're running after a selfish desire? Because I can tell you this, for most Christians in America, what we see as our Rome is the American dream. 
It's not God's purpose. And what I want you to see is that's why we're not satisfied. It's why there's so much discontentment. We're trying to fill our pockets that have holes in them with things that aren't gonna last, that can't last. We carry our buckets around with holes in the bottom and we continually try to fill them. And God's like, look, if you'll just come to me and you'll trust me in this, then look, I'll fill you with a greater purpose. I'll fill you with a greater reason for existence. And how many of us, listen, God told them uh, through Haggai, he says, consider your ways. He said, consider your ways. How long have you been harvesting and never had enough? How long have you been earning wages and yet they just seem to go through the holes in your pockets? Consider your ways, people. Consider your ways, Brandon. How long have you been trying to fulfill yourself to satisfy yourself with your own things and it hasn't worked. Consider your ways. Maybe instead of doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result, we could back up and look and go, you know what? This ain't working. I'm gonna try a different way. Guess what? I'm gonna try his way. But our greatest fulfillment will be found in fulfilling God's purposes. Jesus even said this in John 4. That the, the disciples had gone to get food and they come back and Jesus is there. And he's like, I'm not hungry. And they're like, well, did he get food? I mean, where did he get food from? What's he, what's he been eating on? And Jesus said, look, my food, one, is something you don't know anything about. He said, but two, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. He's saying, what satisfies me is to do the purpose for which I came. When you look at this, in Acts 20, 24, Paul said this, this statement, my only aim is to finish the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Philippians 3, 10, Paul said, I just wanna know Christ. I just, I just keep striving for the goal. I've seen this in my life, and yet, guys, there's still times where I need to consider my ways. I've seen the fulfillment that comes from fulfilling God's purpose, from being engaged in the things of God and not engaged in the things of the world and trying to satisfy myself. I've seen this happen. And I can tell you this, to say that we're satisfied does not mean that it is easy. Even just the journey, the faith journey that I've been on for about 21 years, you gotta understand, as I shared last week, it hasn't all been rainbows and lollipops. It's been difficult. And yet here's the thing, I don't know there's no way I could do it any other way. I couldn't do it without Jesus. I couldn't do it without that relationship. I couldn't do it without following. And, and this whole pursuit, even this, the, the church and the time we planned the church, it's been the most exciting, horrifying experience I've ever been through. It's been the most amazing and terrifying thing ever. It's been the most gratifying and yet grinding thing I've ever seen, I've ever been a part of. 
And yet it's been fulfilling all at the same time because see, here's the thing you gotta understand. In everything that we've been through that, through that time, through the last 12 plus years, you gotta understand something through personal things, through the, the church and corporate things. Listen, through all of that, the one thing that has been consistent is God's grace. His ability doing for me what I cannot do for myself. His ability doing for you and for us what we cannot do for ourselves, And we've seen this, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. But the greatest fulfillment has been found in fulfilling his purposes. So it kind of leads us to this question, well, what's his purpose? Question many, many people are asking, well, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? If I could just find my purpose, then guess what? I could be satisfied. Well, I'm gonna tell you our purpose. Our purpose is to know God and make him known. That's our purpose. I mean, I can tell you this, listen. They're talking about gratifying and horrifying all at the same time is what I do every Sunday almost. This is one of the most horrifying things for me. You do not know how many Sundays, including this Sunday, I sit in my office and I'm going, oh God. This is, I don't even know what to say. I've got all these thoughts, Lord. And I'm going, help. And yet when I open God's word and I stand here and I don't, there's just something so gratifying, so satisfying in knowing like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Is to know him and make him known. I was in my office this morning and I'm going, Lord, I just don't feel like it's together. I don't feel like it's together. And I'm literally walking right in front of my desk and I felt like the Lord said to me, so are you gonna trust in your ability or my ability? Hadn't you been preaching about trusting in my ability? I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> then are you gonna trust in your ability or my ability? I got it. It's our purpose to know him and make him known. Listen, if you go to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, man, it's, he makes it real plain. Jesus makes it really plain. He says in verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You know what that means? It means you can go do what he's telling you to do. And listen to what he says. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to know God and make him known. And he tells us this is a huge part of our purpose right here. What does he tell us? In the very first part of that verse, he says, go to those who don't know. Go to those who don't know. Where? Wherever they don't know, right? Go to those who don't know. What else does he tell us? The second part of the verse, he says, tell them about the one you do know, right? Tell them about the one you do know. And here's the thing, guys, and, and I'm just gonna challenge you on this. Here's the most common excuse I hear for us not doing that, of not telling people about the one we do know. And it's this, I don't know what to say, but here's my challenge to you. How long are we going to use that excuse? 
If we don't know, then do something about it. Like quit sitting around going, I just don't know. Then know, like learn, grow. I just don't know. You learn how to do the things you really care about. Then maybe you don't care enough to learn. Maybe you don't care enough to know. Great opportunity for you. Coming up starts next Sunday, nine o'clock. It's what we call CAA, Connection Equipment Academy. It's an opportunity for you to learn how to one, know, and two, to tell people about the one that you do know because you're gonna grow in knowing God. That's what this first session is all about, growing and knowing God, growing in prayer, growing in um, understanding God and who he is, growing in all of these things you need so that you can tell them about the one that you know. It's at nine o'clock next Sunday. All you gotta do, listen, this is how easy it is to take your first step in getting away from this excuse, and that is this. Go out the back doors, go to the next steps table and say, I want to know. And I want to go to CEA. And guess what? They will get you signed up and you show up next Sunday at nine o'clock and that excuse is going to go out the window. Now that brings responsibility, right? But using the excuse, I don't know. One, who told you that, right? Who lied to you and made you believe that? But two, let's get beyond that. Let's move on. So we go to those who don't know where, here and there, wherever they don't know. We tell them about the one we do know. And then we teach them to do what we know how to do. How do we do that? We tell them, we teach them, we show them. We watch them, and then we send them, right? Then they go, and they begin to do what we did with them. That is our purpose, to know him and to make him known, to follow him and lead others to follow. It's not as hard as we make it, guys. There's people in your life that you can invite to lunch, that you can begin to just have um, spiritual conversations about Jesus, and you can begin to look for opportunities, and it's, it's just praying and saying, God, open my eyes to that person and we can go to breakfast, lunch, we can meet one night a week, we can do whatever this is, but I want to walk with you as I walk with Christ. That's all it is. It's not any harder than that. Invest in people and invite them to a relationship with Jesus. Invest in people and invite them to follow Christ as you follow Christ. But your greatest fulfillment is in fulfilling God's purposes. Your purpose is to know God and to make him known. And listen, your engagement in God's purpose will hinge on the depth of your belief and the completeness of your understanding. That's a mouthful. We'll say it again. Your engagement in God's purpose will hinge on the depth of your belief and the completeness of your understanding. Here's what I mean by that. Belief. 
Belief determines our behavior. This is just very practical. Belief determines our behavior or what we do. Belief determines even what we prioritize. Even with things we don't wanna do, right? Simple example, how many of you brush your teeth? Please raise your hand for the love, please raise your hand, right? How many of you wake up in the morning or right before you go to bed at night, you go, I get to brush my teeth, yes, right? Anybody, some of you do, and you're weird. I mean, I'm sorry, but I love you, but you're weird, right? Because we got a dentist over here. He's like, enjoy brushing your teeth. So you should be saying, don't brush your teeth. Job security. But we look at, we don't like enjoy brushing our teeth. It's not something that we just, woo! But we do, why? Because we believe it's the best thing to do. We don't want our teeth to fall out. So we believe like I should brush my teeth. It's one of those things, belief determines behavior. Very, very simple example. Some of us exercise. Why? Some days you may enjoy it. Most days you'd rather get punched in the face, right? But we believe that it's good for us. We believe that it's helpful. We believe that it'll make us feel better, look better, all of those things. And so we exercise. Belief determines behavior. Those are just some real simple, practical examples. Scripturally, Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, when your belief changes, so will your behavior. If you go and look at Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, specifically verse 23, Paul says this, he says, be renewed in the attitude of your mind. In other words, begin to think different and your life will look different. He says these types of things in many, many places. Why? Because behavior or belief determines behavior. Here's the challenge for us, and this is why some of us aren't engaged in knowing God and why some of us are not engaged in the purpose of making God known is because some of us have not yet reached a depth in our belief that brings us to a point of that becoming part of our behavior. So some of us aren't making disciples because the depth of our belief hasn't reached a point to which it has determined our behavior or our effort or our life being spent on God's purposes. The other aspect of that was understanding. For many of us, our understanding is incomplete. For some of us, we've just never been taught. We, we've never heard that the reason I exist is to know God and to make him known. The reason I exist is to make disciples or followers of Jesus, to lead others to follow Jesus as I follow Jesus. Because for many of us, even if we've been in church, it hasn't been about that. It's just been about showing up and saying, you know what, I was at church today, so you know I feel like I did what I was supposed to do. And you know I was at church today, so it kind of puts a Band-Aid on my conscience for all the stuff I did this past week. And I was at church today, and so um, that was all there is to this. I was at church today. You know, I still feel really unsatisfied. I don't think anything really changed in my life, maybe not even in my heart, but you know what? I was at church today. And if that's all that this has ever been, then we're missing the whole stinking point. 
there's a greater purpose in this, and it is to know God and to make him known. Maybe you haven't heard that. We've heard it today. So get engaged. Engage in knowing God and making him known. The last thing I want to tell you today is this, that your depth of belief, which will determine your behavior and the completeness of your understanding and how that develops will come through your relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit. And it will come through your relationship with other believers. I want you to understand this. I want you to see this. This is the key to it all. The key to it all is the relationship with Christ. Apart from the relationship, it doesn't matter. You can't accomplish anything without abiding in him, without cleaving to him, without holding to him. You and I can't accomplish anything of eternal value without holding to him. You and I cannot be satisfied. We can eat till we have our fill and we will be unsatisfied. We can have sex until we don't want to have sex. We will be unsatisfied. You can go and make as much money as you want to make and you will be unsatisfied. You can have the car of your dreams and you will be unsatisfied. You can have the house of your dreams and you will be unsatisfied. You can have the job of your dreams and you will be unsatisfied because if God isn't in it, it cannot satisfy. And here's the other side. You, you know, we, we, we focus and it's good. We focus in on our relationship with God. But what is it really? Uh, to re- be in relationship with God is one to abide in the Son Um, And then through the Son, we know the Father, but it's also to walk in the Spirit. And so think about this. If you came up to me and you said, look, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be your disciple. I would not, you know, like, don't be my disciple. Like, you you need to aim higher. But if you said, I'm going to follow you, and you come up and you, you grab hold of my shirt, and you say, I'm following you wherever you go. Wherever I go, that's where you're going, right? So guess what? If you cleave to Christ, if you abide in Christ, if you are led by the Spirit, if we are truly walking with God, guess where he's gonna lead us? To the mission. Any commanding officer leads his troops to the battle. Don't sign up for Christianity if you think it's all rainbows and lollipops because guess what? You're signing up for war. You're signing up to go and to begin to take ground for the kingdom of God. You grab hold of God, listen, you grab hold of Jesus, you're gonna go where Jesus goes. Jesus went to the cross. And yet we see this with Paul. Listen, y'all, listen. Paul had a lot of different Romes in his life. He had a lot of different divine appointments. 
His life was fulfilled um, and satisfying to him in Christ, but he went through all kinds of things, and yet he saw incredible things happen in this journey, big things, little things, uh, things like when he went into Lystra and there was a lame man there, and the lame man was healed. How amazing. Another divine appointment, this Rome, this destiny appointment was a conversion of a lady named Lydia in Philippi. You know how he got to Philippi? He followed Jesus faithfully, constantly and persistently. He came to lead a jailer and his entire household to faith in prison. God miraculously delivered him from prison and he shares the gospel and this man comes to faith and his entire household is saved. He healed a sick man on the island of Malta. Who does that? Like you've been on this ship for 14 days and it's like you're thinking you're gonna die. The shipwreck happens and you finally end up on this island and instead of thinking about yourself, you're gathering firewood for other people to stay warm and then you're going in and healing a man and everybody on the island that was sick who does that right if I'm him I want to be by the fire if you go and read that not only was he gathering the wood he got snake bit at some point you gotta be like come on God right and he heals this man he heals these people on Malta God uses him to do this and he finally arrives to proclaim the gospel in Rome And what's interesting in verse 14 of Acts 27, they haven't even gotten to Rome yet. And Luke says, you know what? We came to Rome. And I believe what Luke was saying is like, we are so close and the anticipation was so great and they could see the faithfulness of God so clear that we have come to Rome. This has been fulfilled. This has happened. And he's saying, we have fought the good fight. We have stuck with it. We have done what God called us to do and God has faithfully brought us to this divine appointment. So here's the thing is I and we have had a lot of our own roams, our own divine appointments. I remember when I got saved and the, 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 the weekend I got saved, I knew I was called to ministry. Guess what? It was six years later before I had opportunity to go into full-time ministry. I knew that was what I was supposed to do six years later. And it wasn't like it was six years of, you know, just doing whatever I wanted. I was doing roofing. It's coming up on summer. I, I, I seriously, I may have PTSD from summers and roofing. Right? But God's faithful. God is faithful. He told me when I got saved, this is what you're supposed to do. And it might've took six years, but guess what? Six years before I went into full-time ministry, I could have just gone ahead and said, hey, I'm in full-time ministry, just like Luke said, and we came to Rome. Why? Because it was so sure because God said it. I knew when we finally got the chance to go into full-time ministry, Susan, I knew like, this is where we're going. But I was three out of three in the people that they interviewed for the job. One wanted too much money. The other had already taken another job. They didn't want to start another search committee, so they settled for me. But God got me to Rome, right? How about this? Many of you were a part of this, starting a church in the middle of a recession. Who does that? Why? 
because God said so and God's faithful to get us to Rome. We started a church when everybody that was coming up and saying something was saying, we don't need another church in Statesboro. There's a church on every corner. We don't need another church in Statesboro. But guess what? God had a point, a place for us to get to. We were given a place to meet when we didn't have a place to meet. The value of the place was $42,000. These businessmen just said, have it, use it, renovate it, do whatever you want to with it. For the first year, it's free, and then we'll just work out something. God had a place for us to go. Divine appointments. We loaded in and out of Statesboro High School for four years. One month shy of four years. Some of y'all were a part of that, right? Some of y'all were a part of that. Showing up at 5.30 in the morning, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And every Sunday we closed the doors on that trailer. I would be like, thank God, we made it another week. And you know what? We did that for four years shy, one month. You know why? Because God had a place to get us to. I remember the morning at Statesboro High School when we were looking at building this building, there was something unsettled in my spirit. And I remember being in that hallway and saying, God, what is it? What's missing? And God said, I don't want you to raise a million and a half dollars because that's what it was gonna take to, to begin to build this place. He says, I want you to raise three million. And for every dollar that's given to that building, I want a dollar to go to missions. I want it to go to my purpose of making my name known. And so we made a decision that morning that when we make this announcement today, it's not gonna be one and a half million, it's gonna be three million because we're not gonna become so focused on a building that we forget the reason that we're here. Never thought it could happen, but you know what? God had a place for us and God gets us to those places. We had Sundays where one Sunday we baptized 54 people. God has places to get us to. Listen, how about this one? Pandemic. About this time last year, y'all remember? There was no church. Finally, I went to Lowe's and I'm like, if we can do this, we can have church. Let's crank it back up, right? Went to Walmart. I'm like, hey, let's meet. But God's brought us through that because he has a place to get us to. And I'm telling you this, if you will engage in your purpose of knowing God if you and I together will engage in our purpose of knowing God and making him known, if we will begin to engage in living out the mission, there are so many things that God wants to do, that God wants to show us. It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but it will be fulfilling. It will be gratifying when we see the things that God has in mind to do being done by his grace through us as we engage in our purpose of knowing him and making him known. I wanna tell you this, and this is where I'm leaving it today. I, I wanna get to the end of my life. In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, and he wrote it for this reason. He knew he was about to die. And he's writing some last words to Timothy. And he says this, he says this in verse six. He says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I want us to get to the end of our lives and to be able to say, look, here's the deal. We know our departure is soon. When I'm there and my last breaths are coming, I know my departure is soon, but this is what I can say. Through the good, through the bad, I fought the good fight. You and I together fought the good fight on days and and, and nights when maybe it was sleepless, on days we didn't want to keep going. Guess what? We fought the good fight of faith. And now we enter into that last Rome, that last divine appointment, that last place with God when we are with him forever and the pain and the challenges of this flesh are gone and we once and for all are where we were intended to be. And we fought the good fight. Let me show you what uh, this, this, uh, my desire is for this to look like for us. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, This is one of my favorite passages. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, a man by the name of Jacob. This is what they call the hall of faith. All of these things were done by faith. What is faith? Entrusting in God's ability, not our own ability. And verse 21 says this, by faith Jacob, one of the patriarchs of the Jewish and Christian faith, says by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph. This is Joseph's coat of many colors, Egypt Joseph. Bless each of Joseph's sons, and listen to this, and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. That does something to me. That does something to me. To think about this old man who is, he's about to go, right? I mean, he literally says when he was dying, he blessed his grandsons. And it says he leaned on his staff and worshiped God. And when I was doing this this week, I literally wrote out, Lord, when I take my last breath, let me be worshiping you. God, let me be about your purposes. That when there's no life left in my body, whether that's today or 40 years from now, let me be worshiping you. Let me still be about your purposes. Don't let me chase after all of these vain things, God, not selfish desires. Would you take hold of my heart so that, Father, I spend my life pushing towards those roams that you have for me, going after the things of God, going after those divine appointments. Would you give me eyes to see them and recognize them, even to the last day? My challenge to you today is to live out your purpose. Live out God's mission. Grow in knowing God and grow his name being known in the world. No excuses. There's opportunity to grow. No excuses. Well, I need to be fed. Guess what? If you're hungry, you'll figure out how to eat. Now eat, right? No excuses. There's opportunities. There's a, the Connect, uh, Connection Equipping Academy. There are connect groups. There are people here in this room right now that will walk with you. No excuses. Because it's too important. 
too important. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the time today, Lord. Thank you for the time today that we can be together. God, thank you that you've called us to something greater than, God, just our own desires. God, that you would call us to be a part of your mission in the world. God, we love you. I just want to challenge you right now. What is it in your life that's holding you back from knowing God and making him known? What excuse are you allowing to exist that today needs to be removed, needs to be torn down? Maybe it's something in your life today. But listen, in your ability, it may be hard. But guess what? By faith, by trusting in God's ability, it can be removed. Faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains. The God of the universe can move this thing, this obstacle that's in front of you. So, Lord, I pray that right now, that there be great surrender in this place. Surrender to, to you, God, to know you more. Just like Paul said, to know you more. Surrender, God, to make you known. Surrender, Lord, to do that together, to remember it's us, not them, Lord. It's we, not me, that we would do this together. We love you, Father, as you continue to work in our hearts even after we've left this place. In Jesus' name, amen.